Storehouse Dallas. This is what the Lord told us at the first of the year. Many of you heard uh, that I um, I told many of you at the first of the year that on um, December the 23rd, I heard the audible voice of the Lord, and he said, the door is open. And so just really going along the theme of what is it to enter into the doorway, and how do we actually lay hold of and access the heavenly realms. You know, we're a prophetic people, and this is a prophetic house, and we love the prophetic. But a lot of people, they listen to the prophetic, but they don't actually know what to do with the prophecies that they get. They don't actually know what to do with the words that they get. It kind of gives them a feel good. Oh, I feel good, or I'm more spiritual because I, 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 I encounter the presence of the Lord, or I hear the voice of the Lord, or I give prophecies, or get prophecies, or, ha- or heal the sick, and da-da-da-da-da. You know, all of these things are gifts, but the Lord is looking for those that know how to ascend to heaven, to hear what heaven is saying, see what heaven is doing, and then bring that down into the earth so that you can take dominion of everything that's going on in your life and beyond. So step number one was the oil of intimacy and the importance of sitting at his feet and ministering to Jesus and sitting there in love. It is the first commandment. I love you with all my heart. I give you my whole heart. I give you all my strength. I give you all of my um, heart, my will, my emotions. I'm going to give you everything, which means I'm going to give you first fruits of everything. I'm going to give you my time. I'm going to give you first fruits of my money. I'm going to give you everything that is mine first. I'm not going to wait and give you what's left over. Oh, hey, I've got this. I've got nothing else to do, so I might as well spend some time with the Lord. The latest series is not on TV, so, and I've watched all of the Netflix I could possibly watch until my brain is falling out of my eyeballs, so I might as well pray It's not that kind of thing. It's like I'm going to give you first fruits to a point that it's actually going to weaken me because the more time that I have available, the more time that I have to increase and strengthen my own um, reputation, my own um, um, power, my own glory in the earth, right? But the Lord is saying, no, 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 no. If you'll come over with me and love me, then what will happen is that I will go do all of this for you. Amen? So time, money, and obedience. Step two is to hear and see. In other words, step two, go through the door. Something's happening in heaven 24-7. God's always talking. And people are like, well, I don't hear God. Well, okay, maybe you need to go sit at his feet and wait until he speaks. And the, the, the rub is that, well, I really need you to talk on my timetable. But the Lord is really looking to slow you down. He really doesn't care about your schedule, and he doesn't care about all of the things that you have to do because he is the God of the entire universe. He created everything in it, and he said, don't you think that I can take care of all your business? 
Don't you think that I already have more than you can hope or imagine planned for you, and you're over there trying to get to that in your own strength, but I'm the God of the impossible. I'm the God that will take you beyond even your own imaginations. And I don't know about you, but, you know, we live today in the day of, of, of television and movies, and so our and books, I mean, we have access to so much information that our imagination can go pretty far. And so if the God of the universe said, I'm going to take you beyond even that. You know all of those plans that you have for yourself, all those hopes and dreams that you have, just that's like a minute amount of what I want to do for you if you will come and sit at my feet and listen to me. I heard a song recently that had a line in it and it said, clothe me in your thoughts. Clothe me, Jesus, clothe me in your thoughts. Clothe me in your words. And it just wrecked me. What would that actually look like? Did the, the, the God of uh, the, the uncreated one would come and actually put himself on us in a way that we became clothed with his words? The thoughts that I have for you are pleasant. They are pleasant. And let me tell you something. Here's the thing that I learned the hard way. You cannot get this kind of thing on the run. You know, I've heard people say all the time, look, you know, I just pray on the run and God is good. And well, yes, God is good. He's merciful. He's kind. And he's going to meet you there. But I'm telling you, we are entering into a time. And what Lindsay was saying this morning is so critical. We are leaving behind this church age. And God is rushing us into a kingdom age because he's coming back for a spotless bride. He's coming back for his bride that is shining, meaning that there is full agreement with him and what he's doing in the earth, and you better get into alignment with that. He's looking for those that know how to hear his word, keep his word, carry his word, release his word, speak his word, declare his word, take dominion with his word, heal with his word, live through his word, become one with his word. Amen? There are two ways to do life. There's, it's either your way or his way. It's either your way or it's his way. There's nothing in between. Nothing in between. You hear his voice. You sit at his feet so that you can hear what the God of all creation is speaking and you're just loving him, and you're ministering to him, and you're saying, I love you so much. Your words are like clothing me. Your, your, your personality is beautiful. I see you. And you begin to uh, meditate on the scriptures of the attributes of who this man is and everything that he did for us, everything that he does to us as he loves us. And, and it just transforms us from the inside out. And then uh, step three, we talked about the power of the words. And I want to take you to uh, Luke eleven twenty eight, and um, And so in, in verse 27, right before you get to verse 28, can you put that up on the screen? Luke eleven twenty eight. 28. 
um, right before that, all of the people were seeing the miracles. And so they were celebrating Jesus. And they were like, oh, my goodness, this is amazing. We haven't seen this level of, of the Holy Spirit and power and miracles Ever. You know, it's 400 years. We haven't even had the voice of God in the land. So that's like three generations. And so they said this in verse 27, how blessed is the womb that gave birth to you and the breast that nursed you. And Jesus responds to that. And he said, oh, there is something even greater. And he said, what's greater is, but even more blessed are those who hear the word of God and put it into practice. More blessed is those that hear. When you hear the word of God, not just hear it and go along your way or hear it. I'm going to put it in my journal. These things are good. But I'm telling you, you have to know how to put the word of God into practice. Blessed are you when not only you hear it, but you know what to do with what you've heard. We talked about the brain and the mind and how Caroline Leaf and others of this great work in neuroplasticity of the human brain, which, by the way, the brain will affect the mind. They have discovered that the power of words, say words. Now, remember, Jesus just said, what did he just say? Where is it? He just said, um, blessed are those who hear the word of God and put it into practice. So science, I love science, Especially when science comes along and it goes, oh, yeah, the word of God is right. And so it just confirms what Jesus said 2,000 years ago. It confirms what David said 4,000 years ago, what Isaiah said about the word of God. And so that's what is so exciting about this. And they have found that, um, that the word of God will actually heal your thinking. So, like, I don't know about you. I grew up in a pretty rough family of uh, dysfunction. How many of you had a dysfunctional family? Right? Like all of us. Okay. If you're, you know, I mean, I could be the very best mom in the whole world and, you know, your kids will find something that you did wrong, which is okay. Anyway, so, but what it did is I, there are patterns of thinking that you've grown up in. Let's say your grandfather was, uh, was, got stolen from. Your, your, your dad, he got stolen from. And so what happens is there's something in you, in your DNA, in your thinking that, that immediately thinks, I'm going to get stolen from. And this doesn't necessarily have to be in the forefront of your thinking. It resides in the back and it influences everything that happens to you. So every circumstance is filtered through that reality. But the word will actually change and heal that thinking. Amen? Which we just refer to as poverty mindset. So you're pre-programmed to think a certain way, and so you think, so you will go. And your circumstances will actually follow what you're thinking. Because if I expect to be stolen from, then I manage all of my life based in that presupposition. You with me? Okay. The second thing it does is it renews the minds with words, or it remaps the brain. Okay? So it actually changes, and, and, and like I said the last time, it, it creates a new... Um, tree, if you will. So 
uh, it's a new tree of thought. And so when information comes in, it actually begins to go through the new tree that has sprouted in your brain and it follows the healthy pathways of the word. And when it follows the healthy pathways of the word, it, there will be a different outcome. Because you are going to be processing through the word of God and not through your past experiences. Amen? All right. So, uh, new create uh, than other religions. The, the word of God is the highest form of authority that is in the earth. And you get to wield it because you are in the family of God. So the word is our warfare. So I want you to turn in your Bibles, or of course you can look in the screen, to 1 Timothy 1.18. Paul is talking to Timothy, and he says this, This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies, or the words, previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage good warfare. And so he's telling Timothy, listen, this is going to, this is going to be how you war. The word does two things. It advances you, but it also keeps the enemy at bay. And so he said, you already have the word, just use the word to, to, to take a sword. The, uh, the word of God is a sword of the spirit, right? And just stab the enemy in the, through the heart. That's all you have to do. You just keep speaking the word because the word will trump the enemy and it'll push the enemy back. Okay? Uh, okay, turning your Bibles to Ephesians 6, verse 10 through 17. Yes, I'm going to read this, but I'll read fast. So let's keep up. All right, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand, that word means to be firmly established, against the wiles of the devil. Um, and, and guess what? I just want to give you guys, I just want to stop for a minute and pause. And I want you to know that the enemy is going to be the enemy all the time. He's got certain character traits that do not change. He will be a pain in your neck from the morning until the evening. And he's just roaming around looking for a door to go through. He's looking for a chink in your armor. He's looking for you not to agree with heaven. And the minute that you stop agreeing with heaven, he goes, ho, ho. I've got a weak point right here. I can go in and begin to hit that place where they're actually going to agree with my words over God's word, and that's my entry point. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, and against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, that's a good word, Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day having done on, and having done all to stand, stand. Now, notice what he did not say here. Run for, oh, therefore, you need to run. No, you need to go hide somewhere because this is so scary. He's coming. He's going to hurt you. No, he's like, therefore, I did it all. I prepared a way for you. He's going to come after you just like he came after me. But guess what? I overcame, so you are going to overcome too. Amen. Whew, I think there was a little southern twang to that. Getting all serious. 
All right, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, meaning heaven's words, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, which means I believe the word of God over the facts of my circumstances. That's faith. What's faith? It means that no matter what my circumstances are, no matter what other people are saying, I'm going to stand on the word of God and I'm going to keep my shield of faith up going, I believe in what the Lord says, even though it's the opposite of what my circumstances is, because I trust him and his leadership. And I know that the authority on his words is greater than my circumstances. Amen. With which you will be able to quench all fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. I love using the sword of the spirit. Okay. I'm going to get all charismatic on you when, like, the next time I'm up here, and I'm going to bring, like, a sword. I'm going to be like, oh, what's that girl's name? Lisa Bevere. I'm just going to bring my sword up here and be all cool. All right. So what he's saying here in Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 17, is three things. He's saying, basically, my step one, step two, and step three. He said, number one, you're going to get the truth from heaven. Okay? It's where you get it. Get the truth from where? Okay. What do you have to do in order to get the truth? You got to pray. You got to pray. Let me tell you what. I always know who believes this or doesn't believe it because of their prayer life. If you knew what was available to you in prayer, you would be running to prayer. You would rearrange everything in your life saying this is the most important thing. This is the best way right here. I'm going to sit at his feet. I'm going to minister to him, and I'm just going to listen. The second thing is believe, have faith in what Jesus has said over other words, actions, or circumstances. And then number three, stand on that word and watch the salvation of the Lord. And just do what he tells you to do. Just say what he tells you to say. It's really that simple. You don't have to get involved emotionally over what people are doing to you or how things aren't working out. All you have to do is this. Well, Lord, what are you going to do about this? That's how I live my life. What are you going to do about that problem? Because I don't have a problem. This is your problem so you need to go do something about this. And I mean, I'm very bold with the Lord. And I just sit there and I say, I'm just going to wait until I hear from you what you want me to do. And so just tell me what to say. I'm just going to say what you say. And that's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to keep saying what you say over this situation and watch this situation come down. I know, right? Everybody sigh. Oh. <sighs> All right, Ephesians 6, verse 19 and 20. And, and for me, Paul is saying this after he talks about, uh, you know, the, the putting on the full armor of God. He says, and for me, the utterance, utterance is what's coming out of his mouth, may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in change that I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. So he's talking about the mystery of the gospel, which is getting words from heaven and bringing them down to the earth 
and causing everything that rises up against you to come down. And it's like, wait, how is that possible that it could actually be that easy? Because it's a mystery. It's a mystery. And, the, and, and because the wisdom of heaven is foolishness to the things of the earth. And so it looks like nothing. How could it be this easy? But I'm telling you, I have so many testimonies of this reality, and some of it is in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. Oh, okay. Where am I? Um, hang on. All right. I'm doing a lot of scripture today. So I'm just hitting you right between the eyeballs. Meanwhile, praying, uh, Colossians 4.3. Meanwhile, praying also for us that God would, here it is. Remember I said, the Lord said, the door is open. Open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in chains. All right, so he's saying that there is an open door to speak these things and begin to cause everything to come down. Now, if every single person in this room would not only understand this, but also apprehend it and begin to do it, I am telling you this city would shift. It would shift within six months. We would begin to see things start to shake in this city because once you begin to speak, what happens is it actually begins to shake things. And so we look at the shaking, we go, oh, no, this isn't good. No, 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 it's good. When things start shaking, you know things are changing because stuff has to be brought down before stuff can be put back together. Amen? All right, so... Fear, here's what happens. How many of you wake up in the middle of the night like, and you can hardly breathe because all of a sudden your brain wakes up and you think about all the bad things that are going to happen to you? And you're like, oh, I'm going to pay my rent. Oh, but they're going to take my car away. That person at work, oh, my goodness, I'm having this, you know, they're going to fire me, and I'm having all of these problems. And all of a sudden, like, your heart just, like, gets in fear and panic, and you start planning. Okay, what am I going to do? i got to... I gotta make, I gotta do something. I've gotta do action. I've gotta come up with a plan. I've gotta come up with an exit strategy. I've gotta come up with a. And so you start devising a plan. Let me just tell you something. When you wake up in the morning, you need to take that plan, unless it was birthed in prayer and birthed in peace, and you need to just throw it in the trash. I have made so many bad decisions that way. You know, you just get on all the anxiety and fear and. Um, maybe I'm the only one because you're all looking at me like, no, this never happens to me. What was that woman talking about? <laughs> um, so fear comes with words just like peace and love come with words. And so the enemy comes in to sow seeds of fear through words saying, mm, you know, bad things are coming. Expect the worst. And what it does is it's what causes us to wake up in the middle of the night. It's what causes us to panic and to work until we want to fall down dead. It's like, oh, man, if I just work harder, then I can make more money. If I just made more money, then I could have more peace. If I just, and then I, I just got to work some more. I got to, I, I can do this. I can just, if I just work more. I'm speaking to the men in this room. 
If I just work more, then I'll get there. I'll be successful if I just work more. And then you find yourself and you're so exhausted that you can barely even think or process that you, you're like, this can't possibly be what Jesus died for. The God of all the universe came so we can just live the same way as the Gentiles, as we can live the same way, well, we are Gentiles, but you know what I mean, as the unbelievers. We are called to live in the kingdom, and that kingdom is a place of rest. This these words and lives are what causes us to stress out. What is going to happen to me? How am I going to live? We all have expectations of death in the middle of the night. It's like, oh, what are we going to do? It's like you can't even breathe, right? But God, he said, my mercies are new every morning, which actually means that you have new pathways that spring up in your brain every morning. It's a little, it's like a little tree bud. That scientifically, they've discovered that a tree, that there's a little bud in your brain every morning. And that if you'll begin to speak to that bud, that bud will actually begin to grow through the day. Mercies are new every morning. That's why, give us this day our daily bread. Man, you give me that daily hot, steaming, fiery bread every day. I burn bread in my house. It's kind of a thing around our house. In fact, my granddaughter, I had my grandkids. I was keeping them uh, on Friday. And my granddaughter said, you know, I was, I was making everybody dinner. And she said, I heard that you always burn the bread. And I was like, your mother told you that. Ah, so I'm covered. But it's true, I always burn the bread. But I think there's something prophetic about that. I, I like my bread on fire. <laughs> Everybody's always like scraping the black off the bread. No, honey, it's still edible. <laughs> John's like, you know there's a timer on the oven, right? Oh, yeah, okay, whatever. All right, so uh, let's talk about the perfect man. So Jesus said, it's not what goes in, it, in your mouth food, but it's what comes out that defiles us and makes us unclean. Um, this is where you fully mature and have become one with the word. Um, God is, you know, everybody's talking about this movement and that movement or whatever, and you've heard me say that, but God is doing a maturity movement right now. He is maturing the body of Christ, and he's saying, it is time to grow up Stop complaining. Stop whining. I already did it all. You begin to apprehend what I did. You begin to do what I did as I was on the earth, and then we'll begin to see some action. And I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I did not get into this because I was like hair on fire in the world, man. Everything that you could do, I was doing. And then I got arrested by the Holy Spirit in love, and I was like, I'm not, Jesus is more exciting than all of that nonsense, and if he's not, I'm serving the wrong God, okay? But I love serving the Lord because this life is, is, is it's intoxicating with love and power and authority. And it's just like, when I pray, I expect things to happen. Right? So we got to get our expectations up. All right, so... Um, 
So Paul is talking about how to become fully mature and how to become one with the word in Ephesians 4.13. When he says, um, he said, listen, I'm going to give you the fivefold ministry in the church because I'm going to try to take care of you guys, okay? I'm going to give you the fivefold ministry. Y'all know what the fivefold ministry is, right? All right, so um, good. I love y'all so much. Y'all are meat eaters. All right, so he says this, but after the fivefold ministry, he says this, but I'm going to give it to you until we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to the perfect man. Okay, unity of the faith. No, that doesn't mean that the charismatics are going to be getting along with the Pentecostals that are going to be getting along with the Baptists. That's not what he's talking about. He doesn't even, that, that, that's not even in the Bible. He's not saying all of the different denominations. He said the unity of the faith. He's talking about the Godhead, the three coming together as one with you on the inside. That when you unite with him, which means you come into agreement with his word and you begin to use his word, what happens synergistically is that the flesh and the things in you, it begins to get connected in a way where there's unity in the faith, therefore nothing, say nothing, will stand before you. No sickness, no disease, no sin, nothing. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Man, that's so good. All right, now I'm going to read this really long scripture so you guys strap in, okay, because we're going to go there. I'm going to read in James, and we're going to talk about your tongues for a minute. <clears throat> I used to have a problem. I used to have a problem with this, like bad, 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 because everything that kind of came into my brain just flowed out of my mouth, and um, I don't want to hear a word from my team right now. And uh, no, I've just gotten more sanctified. But I used to say things that were uh, just not good. And um, the Lord really took me to task, and so he made me fast talking. No, it was bad. Sam, I think Sam was like six years old. He didn't quite get it at the time. No, you were like eight. Um, he didn't quite get it at the time. And so I, just for a whole week, I would carry around a little pad, you know, and, um, and so I would, it's hard to tell jokes or be sarcastic when you're not allowed to talk. And so you're trying to write and you're in the middle of a conversation. You think this could really be funny. And the conversation just moves on and you're like, ah, I missed the moment. Timing is everything. Anyway, Samuel kind of, after about five days of this, Samuel thought, oh, this is a thing. So he got out and started writing to me, and I was like, oh, no, 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 I'm writing to him. No, this is just me. You can talk. And so it was a funny little interaction. Anyway, yes, I've raised my son in the house of prayer. All right, so we're going to start in James 3, um, verse 2. You could actually get out your Bibles if you want, and you can follow along. This is in the New King James Version. Okay, I have 12 minutes. I can do this. All right, so we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, say in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships, although they are so large and are driven by fierce words, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. 
Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest, a forest, a little fire kindles, and a tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire by hell. <sighs> oh. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursing, my brethren, these things ought not to be. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives or grapevine bear figs? Thus no spring yields both salt water and fresh. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, wielding to yield, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits without partiality, without hypocrisy. This is the mystery of the gospel, that you would be led by his words and the words of heaven. <clears throat> so the word of God is more powerful than this, bitter envy and self-seeking. In other words, what's going on on the other side of the fence is not that cool. That means that looking over what is happening to other people and seeing how blessed they are will get you into the wrong kind of words. That's why social media can be so poisonous because everybody's capturing these moments that you think, oh, their lives are so much better than mine, or they're getting promoted and I'm not, or blah, 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 blah. And it opens up a door for the enemy to minister to you with words of rejection, heartache, and it begins to sow seeds of bitterness and envy. The word of God is more powerful than sensual and sexual sins against your own body. Lust, perversion, and pornography. The word of God actually is higher than that. You want to turn that ship? You begin to speak the word of God over yourself and over your mind. And your whole body will become in alignment with what heaven is saying. Your physical body is defined by your words. How many times, ladies, do you say, I'm fat? Man, I'm fat. I don't like this about myself. And so what happens is these words come out and you're actually cursing yourself and you're actually, you will become what you say. 
And so you have to pull that back in and you have to say, Lord, would you tell me about me? I want to talk about how I'm made and, and what your thoughts about me are. And you begin to speak those thoughts out about you until your mind comes into order and, the, and becomes one with the mind of Christ. I am sick. I have Crohn's disease. I have cancer. I have um, whatever. The list is long. And so it's like, okay, the doctor says you have that. Well, I don't have that unless the Lord says I have that. He's the final authority on everything. You're going to lose your house. I'm not going to lose my house unless the Lord says I'm going to lose my house. And so he's the final authority. And so I go to him and I say, okay, you, tell me what's going on here. What do I need to say over my body? I need to see my healing so I can speak my healing. Now, this has happened to me on several occasions where I've had things wrong with me that are impossible to cure, and it was going to cost me a lot of money to go get these things fixed. Well, I don't know about you, but I don't like spending money on doctors. It's a complete waste of my time. I would rather instead go to the Lord and say, tell me what to say, because words are free. Love is free. These things are free. And so it's like, Lord, I need to hear and have the mind of Christ about this. And then I begin to say it. And if it's something that I feel in my heart is too big for me, I'll get people around me to start saying what I'm saying. And we all begin to say the same things. John and I are a perfect example. Husband and wife, man, get your husband to, and your wife, both of you, to say the same thing. And two can set 10,000 to flight. <clears throat> so you don't have any problems. Say, I don't have any problems. <laughs> so if I'm in the will of God, and if I'm free from judgment and have no unforgiveness in my heart, in other words, if I have clean hands and a pure heart, I ascend the hill of the Lord, I go through the open door, and I say, what are you going to do, and what do you want to say? And guys, let me tell you what, this works for salvation for those lost people that you know. It works for if you've got a husband or a wife that needs revelation on something or is stuck and needs to get unstuck, what do you do? You get the word of the Lord and you start speaking that over them every day. You release the word of the Lord. You release the word of the Lord and all of a sudden they'll start manifesting, which is good. But it, what will happen is you, you, you want the, that other stuff to get out. So you got to get that stuff out and the other stuff gets in and then they start, you know, getting into alignment with what the Lord is doing. And, and, um, and so then they've got the freedom that you've desired them to have in Christ. Amen. Now this isn't manipulation. Again, I don't use my own words. You don't use your own words. You are, you're going to the Lord. And if I don't hear anything, I keep sitting. I keep sitting. I do not speak of my own accord because that is manipulation and it's white witchcraft, church. So I just, if I hear, I speak. If I don't hear, I just sit and I wait. Sometimes I've had to wait up to three months to get the word of the Lord. And then I go, okay, I got it. I got it. He, you know, it came down, you know. And it, as it was with Daniel, remember Daniel? And he was like, the, that angel took him 21 days. He said, the, the prayer was answered the moment that you asked. The moment that you got the word and you began to declare the word, it was already there. But it took me a while because I was wrestling with the prince of Persia to bring it down to you. Amen? All right, so let's close with this.
Here's what I want to tell you is there is nothing, say nothing, that is higher than the word of God. Go home. Go home. It's time to return home. And your home is in Christ. Your home is sitting with him. It's a place that is prepared uniquely for you. He's longing, desiring to be with you. He can't wait to clothe you in his thoughts, to clothe you in his words, so you won't be scared and fearful, so you won't be in pain and stressed. It's not too late. It's never too late. And so let's stand, and I want to pray for you. I want to encourage you in something. Thank you, honey. I love you. I want to encourage you this morning. Um, If you have left your first love, and you really feel like this message spoke to you, and you haven't been making the time to be with him, I want you to come forward as an act of obedience. We're going to put on some worship music. And I really, this is a commitment that I want you to think very seriously about because I don't want you to come forward and then go about your life. Because it really is, we're in the hour. What Lindsay was saying earlier and the word that she released is that we are entering into the not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. And if you can lay hold of this, this sweet place in Christ, you'll get to heaven and he'll say, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. You followed me well. So I'm going to pray over you. And as we, can you go ahead and turn that up? I love that worship song. I'm going to pray over you. And I just want you to um, come forward if this speaks to you. And I'm just going to pray and I'm going to pray and I'm going to pray. I did this recently. You know, just trying to create my own way in the earth and trying to get to where God had for me my own strength. And I failed miserably. And I thank God that I failed. And he was so merciful to, I just came back home. And it's the most beautiful homecoming. He met me with a robe and a ring. And he killed a fatted calf for me. Just for me, just for you. He's got it all for you. And he's saying, return to me. Return to your first love. Return to me. There is no working that you can work. I want to work for you. I want to build for you. Come back home into my arms. So, Father, I thank you.
I thank you, Father, that you're calling us home, that it's never too late for us to rush into your arms and that you're there running to meet us. You're not even waiting for us to get all the way to you because you're so excited that we've come. And so this morning, Father, I just pray, God, that you would begin to speak to those, Father, that you are calling home into your loving arms, God. And we just make a commitment this morning that when we come home, we'll never leave again. We'll never leave. We'll never leave that place where we feel safe, where we hear your voice, where we begin to come alive and we don't have to do it on our own anymore, but we truly fall into you, that we accept our place in the family and that we're fully welcomed, we're fully loved, we're fully adopted, we're fully accepted just as we are. Thank you, God, that we don't have to be perfect. I thank you, God, that we can come with all of our spots and our wrinkles. I thank you, God, that you accept us just the way we are. That you clean us up. That you pour your love over us and you pour it over us and you pour it over us and you pour it over us. You pour it over us until we believe that we are loved, that we are accepted, that we are whole again. I thank you, Father, that your heart is the only place where we can fully be healed. That your heart is the only place where we can know our name that we know our name because you gave us our name. It's the only place where we can hear your voice. God, take our schedules. Take our schedules. Take our lives. We just surrender trying to get there on our own, God. Would you forgive us this morning, God, for all of the times that we just try to achieve everything in our own strength? Forgive us, God. We tried to do it without you. I thank you, God. We hope this message was a blessing to you. If you would like to partner with us, you can visit storehousedallas.com forward slash give, or you can send a text message with an amount to 84321. Thank you very much for your contributions.